1: From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to the Quickie getting you up to speed daily definition of ghosting is the practice of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation, withdrawing from all communications. For example, that guy I was talking to on Tinder just ghosted me. But a new form of ghosting is on the rise and it doesn't involve romance at all. Today, we speak to counselling psychologist Dr Rachel Allen to find out how our technology is ruining our friendships. At my engagement party, I asked my best friend of 10 years to be my bridal party. Um, and that was the last time I ever saw her or heard from her. She completely ghosted me. Still to this day, I have no idea why.
0: So, I, my best friend of about six years, we went through university together, we travelled together, we put each other up in different houses when we were in different states. We were as thick as thieves. Before we ended up getting the same job at the same organisation, and she was let go from the organisation after a few years. And once that happened, she completely cut me out of her life. There was no texts, no messages. I used to stay up late at night for hours talking to this girl and she was completely gone. So six years of really amazing, beautiful friendship was completely cut off.
1: My childhood best friend came and visited me when I was living in the UK she stayed at mine. I didn't even have a living room. She was in my bed for a whole month. I took her everywhere, did everything for her, and she was horrible in return. She got on that plane to come back to Australia and never spoke to me again. Over a decade worth of friendship down the drain. When you say someone's ghosted you, you presume it's either a mate who's gone home early from a night out without telling anyone, or it's someone you were chatting with after a romantic hookup who no longer returns your messages but could we be ghosting our friendships more than either of those? It starts off with an unanswered text or message. Then it becomes two or three. Now, it could be for a completely reasonable explanation. They could be going through some form of crisis or their phone fell in the toilet. But in 2019, you can easily see what's going on in a mate's life by a simple check of their Instagram feed or Facebook posts. So what's happened? Well, it could be more to do with how we now communicate with friends rather than anything in particular being wrong with the friendship itself. And we may be doing it unintentionally as we deal with the sheer amount of communication coming at us on a daily basis. A 2018 study found that ghosting a friend may actually be more common than doing it to a romantic partner. And let's be honest, if your main form of communication is digital, then fading out of someone's life has actually become very easy compared to when you used to see your friendship circle regularly, completely avoiding any kind of emotional confrontation. Dr Rachel Allen is a counselling psychologist based in Glasgow. Dr Allen, is there an expectation as to how quickly our friends should respond to our messages?
0: I think every one of us has a different set of parameters and expectations in any relationship and we tend to assume that we're all on the same page but often, depending on how busy our lives are, expectations can be very different and I think sometimes that can cause wires to get crossed.
1: So is this phenomena... Of friend ghosting actually on the rise?
0: Are we seeing an increase of people being left hanging? I think the phenomenon of hosting, particularly in friendships, is really related to the change in how we communicate. I mean, now a huge proportion of our communication takes place via various digital platforms, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, etc. And if you think of the number of connections, the number of contacts each of us has across these platforms, a huge volume of people that we're connected with. Within that, there is a huge potential for overwhelm and a huge potential for connections being cut off either deliberately or unintentionally. I mean, if you think of how some of these digital platforms are set up to operate, Facebook, for example, you can hide somebody without them knowing that you have hidden them. So you can make a decision about the level of contact or the level of exposure you want to have to anybody. So those kinds of little bits of feedback that might take place in more organic exchanges, like if we're talking to someone face to face or even on the phone, we don't get that. You don't get the the hints or the social cues. Then it flows from that ghosting and cutting people off is much more prevalent.
1: You mentioned that there is a lot of ways with which we're connecting with people now and this sheer volume of ways we're doing that. Is it almost like you've got your work emails on your phone, you need to check them and then responding to them becomes a chore and an effort? Are we treating our friends online the same way we're treating work has it become a
0: chore? I think you're right when you say that because it's all held on our phone be that our work emails or to-do lists or professional commitments and that's sitting alongside our social commitments and our social connections the potential for overwhelm is so huge and the potential for the lines between those different types of communication to get blurred and just sort of merge into this one overwhelming source of demand is very, very high. Is it also the fact that we don't really
1: end these conversations? I know last night I was in a Facebook messenger chat with my friends and I eventually signed it off by just telling them I had to go to bed. But a lot of the time it's just kind of it's a constant back and forth in a group chat scenario, for example, that could have been going on for years. Is it just become a bit too overwhelming that you constantly have to feed back and forth on a conversation with no end?
0: I think the constant stream of WhatsApp conversations or messenger conversations without a natural endpoint certainly adds to the overwhelm, particularly if you're engaged with somebody who might have a different level of availability in that moment. So there can be different expectations about how long a conversation might go on for or how long something should be discussed. And it can be awkward to then go silent in that kind of conversation. But very often, most of us have a number of these going on at any one time. And I think it's unrealistic to try and keep up with all those conversations all of the time, particularly in the context of our busy lives. How do we deal with that feeling? You
1: know, when someone's reached out to you, there's a message sitting there and you haven't responded to it immediately. And then it becomes a day, then it becomes two days, then it becomes a week and then a month. And you know you should have responded to it, but you haven't. There's a real emotion attached to that and a sense of
0: failure. How do you deal with that? I think it's interesting to reflect on what creates that feeling of, oh, I've got that message. I still haven't responded. And then as more time passes, a sort of a guilt creeps in or a sense of doom, I guess, or feeling like you've let somebody down or a burden creeps in. I think that tells us something about how much we want to be part of that conversation, how much we want to respond to what's being suggested to us or asked of us. And actually, very often, I think if we are repeatedly having that experience of feeling dread and putting off and avoiding and then feeling more guilt in relation to our messages. I think that gives us a really important message about our own lives and our own priorities. And painful as it might be to admit there's a possibility that it indicates that perhaps there are expectations being placed on us, be they socially or in the family, that we would rather not have to deal with. How do we deal with
1: all of these conversations and manage them better? Are there some ways that we can start modifying our behaviours that we can make this a little bit easier on ourselves?
0: I think it's essential, first of all, to be patient with ourselves around not managing it all perfectly right away. I think when it comes to what we can proactively do, it's useful, first of all, to reflect on what matters to us. So that might perhaps be Identifying which relationships depend most heavily on digital communication, which relationships are most in need of nurture or that you most want to nurture. But most importantly of all, to do what we can to check in regularly that our digital lives reflect what actually matters to us. Because I think very often that dread that you've mentioned and that guilt is to do with obligation. And actually when a contact or an invited contact inspires us or makes us feel happy or makes us feel a genuine connection that is wanted, that feeling is not there. So that's a useful indicator of which links we want to keep up and which links perhaps we might think about letting go or at least putting some boundaries in place around. It also might be around changing the setting of where we conduct some of our interactions. You know, we don't phone each other anymore We meet up less. So it might be about thinking, okay, I do want to invest in this relationship. I do want to continue to invest in this relationship. But how can I do it in a way that feels more connected, a way that feels more authentic, a way that doesn't stress me out? That might be speaking to someone on the phone. It might be arranging to spend some time with somebody, to do an activity with somebody. And I think being really clear about that for ourselves is essential in maintaining our own mental health.
1: Just finally, what advice would you give the person who's the ghosted, the one who sent the message, who's reached out and has not been responded to? Because that feels like a big fat rejection.
0: The person on the receiving end of the the, the ghosting or the ghostee, if you like, is left in a really tough situation because there's a sense of abandonment but also a real sense of ambiguity. It's in our nature when we're left with ambiguity to try and achieve clarity, to try and make sense of what's happened. And so what one might be tempted to do is to think, oh, what what did I do wrong? What is it about me that has caused this rejection, that has caused this abandonment to become about? And I think if the self-esteem is perhaps fragile already, you're more likely to go there and it's more likely to do more damage. The most problematic thing within the situation I think is silence. If the person being ghosted has the power or the opportunity to speak to the person doing the ghosting, that might be worthwhile, however I think the more likely situation often is that you are left with that ambiguity and then how do you get your own power back from that? That might be about you making a decision for yourself about that relationship putting a boundary in place and moving forward from it. And it might be a useful opportunity to reflect on your own digital behaviour and your own boundaries for future relationships. So if you do find yourself disengaging
1: from a friend because you just can't keep up with all the text messages, emails, WhatsApp groups, Facebook messenger threads, Snapchats, Viber chats, Slack channels or Insta DMs, then perhaps it's time for a bit of a digital detox. And maybe just tell your friends you're feeling a bit overwhelmed and you're taking a break. A real friend will understand. And if you've just been ghosted, maybe send a message that doesn't require a response, just to let that person know you're thinking of them and hope they're okay. It may just take the pressure off. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Ellie Beattie and Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash quickie. And if there's a new story you'd like us to check out, send us an email to thequickie at mamamia.com.au.